atmosphere and your presence that's here oh god truly we want to set our wings tonight and fly higher than we've ever flown before lord lord above the struggles above the trials above all of the things that can hold us down if we can set our wings if we can fly a little higher oh god we want to do that tonight lord we just want to come now and lord i just want to lay myself aside i feel insufficient i feel just nervous and not ready but lord we just know that you're god and, Lord, you're the one that does it all, Lord. And we just want to rely wholly on you, Lord God. I just pray that you'd come and take this little thought that you've laid on my heart. I pray you'd take everyone that would be here, Lord, that you could minister to needs, that you could touch hearts, Lord. That's why we come, that you can come, that you can correct, that you can lift up, that you can set free, Lord. Lord, we welcome you, Lord, and you've been welcomed, Lord. We just commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for all the, the music. What a wonderful atmosphere tonight. What a wonderful atmosphere tonight. Uh, if we could turn to Revelations chapter, chapter 3 and, and then Revelations chapter 4, I'll bring you some greetings. I had a chance to do a little bit of skiing and then pass through Calgary and take in a service there a couple of weeks ago. And so we'll bring greetings from Brother Barry's church and had a chance to visit Saskatchewan for some unknown reason recently as well, and bring you greetings from Brother Dwayne Fair as well, and or he passed, I believe, passed along his greetings, and, and it's good to have someone from the Far East here tonight, and if you don't know what that means, you can ask me, but how many enjoyed the service this morning? What an, what an anointing to see what, what the angels saw, and I believe we're, we're living out the greatest portion, there's a drama on earth. That's being done, and I, brother, brother Ed preached this morning on a God that was descending, uh, and tonight I, I want to look at a little bit about a people ascending, a people. Did you know that we'll meet him in the air? So as he's coming down, we're going to go up, and I want to look a little bit at uh, my my title: F flying higher than Babylon, flying higher than Babylon. Revelations chapter three, verse fourteen. We know this passage of scripture so well the message to the laodicean church and unto the angel of the church of the laodiceans write these things saith the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of god i know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot i would thou wert cold or hot so then because thou art lukewarm i will and neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out of my mouth 
Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh, that's to us, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also ever came and am sat down with my Father in his throne. And I want to jump, if we could. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Revelations 4.1. All of this has been set. The scene of spiritual Babylon, naked, rich, increased with goods, think they have need of nothing, and knowing not what their actual condition is. But there's another place for the believer to be. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the, voice, the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, come up a little higher, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. God bless you. You can have your seats. And I wonder if you could turn with me as we, my, my thought is flying higher than Babylon, and I'm truly not sure where to start or where to stop on it. So I really trust in God to lead me on this. So pull and say amen, and we'll, we'll make it through. It'll be First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I wonder if we could take a look at this. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It says, by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you. And he begins to talk about the people that he knew and kind of give some exhortation and talk who he was writing from, who he was writing to a little bit in this spot. And by Silvanus, a brother, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I've written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. And then he says, the church that is at Babylon elected together with you, saluteth you. So to the people he was writing in Asia, Asia Minor, he says, the church at Babylon, I know them. There's a people there that are serving Jesus Christ, and they salute you. And we, wanna, we are that church today, just a little star. We're in the middle of Babylon. We're in the middle of all these things. But even in the New Testament, right back then in Peter's time, there was a church there that stood faithful. That stood true and that made their way all the way through. I want to start with a, a little story Brother Branham told in the message. And it's in, it's in the message as the eagle stirreth her nest. I'm taking much of my thought from this, from two of the messages that he preached. And Brother Branham tells a little story and he says, One year I was up elk hunting and the snow has to, has to run the elk down. If they don't, they're wild. And if they don't get in the valleys, we're sometimes fishermen and things up in the creeks, but they stay real high, and, and he's setting a picture of where he was. And there's been no snow to run them down, so the rancher and I had parted, and we'd seen another in the next two or three days, and we'd meet there when we was hunting across. He was on one side of the divide, and me on the other. And 
and dropping down in the fall of the year around October there, it'd rain a while and snow a while, and oh, you know how, almost like March down here, and the sun will come and dry it off. And, and then he begins to see some things, and he begins to enter into a spot out in nature. We know God is in nature. We know that you can find God there. And he sees an allegory. He sees something. Then way back in the west, the sun come out, and I noticed it shining down and struck against the side of the mountain. Those evergreens froze. It formed a rainbow across the canyon. And then he describes that rainbow as that great big eye setting back there into the west, looking that way. And I thought, that's like the eyes of God running to and fro throughout the whole earth. You know, you just can't go anywhere lest you see God. If you'll just look for him, he's just everywhere. You've got to get him in here, though, first. Then let him use your eyes to look. Get him in here, and he will use your tongue to speak. He will just use your whole being just as much as you will yield to him just how much he can use. God has an awful time getting a fellow to yield to him, Brother Branham says. Like Samson, Samson was kind of a ladies' man. He yielded his strength to God, but wouldn't give his heart to God. He gave his heart to Delilah, and that's all God could use was his strength. And that's just as much you can give him. And while I was standing there, and we know the story. While I was standing there, I looked at that, and I seen that rainbow, and I said, looky here, God's plumb up to the top of the mountain, and there he is in the rainbow. You see him in, in Revelations 1 to look on, you know, a rainbow walking in and among the seven golden candlesticks. Look upon as a jasper and sardine stone, Benjamin and Reuben, first and last. And I looked at that and I thought, isn't that beautiful? And about that time, an old gray wolf howled up in the hill and the mate answered it down in the bottom and I thought, yeah, there's God in that too. And the, the storm, there's God in that. The storm had a, sep- and then the storm had separated the elk herd that they had been, they were, they were traveling around and there was about, I got some 80 odd, some odd elk in that herd and just the, to get the biggest bulls as anyone understands and and dropping down, and I heard an old bull over on the side bugling because he had gotten lost from the other herd. Oh my, you talk about, and David said, as deep calleth to deep. And he's taking in a picture. He's on the mountain. He sees the rainbow. He sees the mountains. The storm had pulled back. He sees the elk. He hears the wolf. And, and as deep calls to deep, standing there, and hear that wolf howl yonder, hear this elk over there bugling, something way down on the inside began to gurgle up. I thought, oh God, it's good to be here. He said, I wish I could build three tabernacles. I got so happy, I set my little old rifle down against the side of the tree, and he starts to run around the tree. And around and around and around the tree I went, just screaming at the top of my voice. Imagine that sight. Just screaming at the top of my voice, jumping up and down and flapping my arms back and forth. I said, hallelujah, 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 around and around. Why, if someone had been in the woods, they thought there'd been a maniac out there. And around and around the bush, I went just as hard as I could go, saying, praise God, praise God, hallelujah, running just as hard as I could go, because I was feeling good. I didn't care what anyone else had seen, anyone else see me. I was just blowing off the steam. If I didn't, I was going to burst. Sometimes we have to blow off the steam, otherwise we might burst. So I just had, I had to whistle, just put out the little whistle out at the top. And I was going around and around. He's still been going around and he's still going around. I've been going around and around as hard as I could. And, and after a while, I just stopped and throwed up my hands and I thought, there he is over there, over yonder in the rainbow. Here he is here, howling in the wolf. Here he is bugling in the elk. And here he is in my heart. 
oh, you're just everywhere. And around and around and around the tree I went. What was he doing? All of the things of his day, all the things of his week that, week that he had before, the month he had before, he was flying higher. He had recognized, oh, there's God, and, there's, and he had lifted up into something else, and it didn't matter whatever else was going on in his week or the, everything he had to go back to after that experience, but he was somewhere else. He was somewhere else. I thought, oh, it's good to be here. Wish I could build me a cabin and just stay here. And I thought, and I, and I, and I noticed I must have excited a little pine squirrel. This is a simple little story, but there's such a truth to this. I, I must have excited a little old pine squirrel, and I don't know whether, I'm sure you've got him in Texas, but a little old pine squirrel on a stump. And there was old blowdown, and he began to say all kinds of things to me. And I guess I must have scared the little fellow half to death. He was running around like that, and I looked over there, and he was sitting on a switch, switching his little tail, just chatter, 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 chatter. And I thought, what's the matter with you, little guy? I'm worshiping the very God that created you. You want to see some more of it? Here I go. And around and around and around and around the tree he went. And I thought, how do you like that? Why don't you just run around a little while? But the only thing he could get there, set, the only thing he could set there and go chatter, 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 chatter. And I thought, now God, why did you attract my attention to that little fellow? For when I was just having a big time, you and I, why would I be paying attention to this annoying little critter right now? And I looked and I said, he's, he's got great big bug eyes anyhow, you know. Look like the sticks out on his cheeks, especially when he gets all excited. And he was looking down like this. And I thought, he's not, I thought, he's not watching me. And he noticed over there was an eagle. Come to find out the winds a blowing in that storm had forced a big old eagle down under this stuff, under this blowdown, this great big old brown eagle was coming, moving out. That's what the little squirrel was excited about. He was worried he was going to get eaten. And he was chattering away and warning all of his buddies behind him. He wasn't bothered at me at all. He, was bo he wasn't bothered about me. He was watching that eagle because that eagle could pick him up right easy. Well, what about that? And, 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 and Brother Branham would say, God, why did you attract now that my attention to that eagle? And you might be wondering, why am I reading this story that we all know? But there's something about it. Instead of me letting run around this tree, why did you attract my attention to that eagle? I don't know why you'd let me look at that fellow like that. If I just kill a deer and don't cover him up good, he'd pack it away. Brother Branham's thinking, that eagle sometimes causes me trouble. If I shoot a deer and if I don't get to him quick enough, that eagle steals it on me. He'll eat it. Why would I have to look at a fellow like that? I'm looking at you here in the rainbow, hearing you in the wolf and all these things. Where would you be in that eagle? Yet the Bible said that you're a Jehovah eagle. And we're eaglets. So now I wonder how you'd ever be in that eagle. And Brother, Branham, Brother Branham begins to think, how? I understand that you're supposed to be in that eagle, but how and why? And I thought, well, what could I see about that fellow? I can see him in the elk. He's a great big monarch. He's the monarch of the woods. I can see the wolf with his lonesome howl. I can see the rainbow. But that fellow, what's about him that's godly? I happened to notice he was sitting there, and I said, you know what? I said, oh, fellow, I could shoot you if I wanted to. He said, I could shoot you. Do you believe that? And I happened to notice he, never, he, never, he just never paid any attention, just sat there, his great big head looking up, you know, them eyes gazing over at the skies, then looked back at me, and I kept noticing him watching that chipmunk, and he eyes, had his eyes on getting that chipmunk is what I think, or the ground squirrel or pine squirrel. 
He's not scared. Brother Branham would say, I'll see, well, he said, I'll see how scared he is. And the devil will do that to us. He'll see how scared we get when we're there and the devil's there. But do we trust in our wings? Do we trust in our ability to get out of there? I'll, I'll see how scared he is. You know, I could shoot you. He just looked at me. I started raising my hands toward my gun. I seen him moving them feathers. He said, I see it. I see what it is. He knowed that he could be in that timber before I could ever get my hand on that rifle. That's right. He had two wings. God gave him two wings to escape danger. I want to look at that tonight. Not just staying there sometimes in the moment and in the situation and sometimes facing it head on. Get out of there. Escape the danger. Fly higher than Babylon. He had two wings. God could give him two wings to escape the danger. And I watched him feeling them feathers. And I thought, oh God, I see where you're at now. Somebody said to me, aren't you afraid, brother, about Brother Brown? Aren't you afraid you'll make a mistake sometime on there? And, oh no, as long as I can feel his God-given presence around me. Just let them say anything they want to. It won't make any difference. Aren't you afraid someone will take a crack shot at you? No, no, uh-uh. As long as I feel, I ain't afraid as long as I can feel his presence. That God-given power, that's all, just to feel his presence around. Aren't you afraid they'll class you as a holy roller? Done did it. Didn't do any good. I'm just going on right the same. It doesn't matter just to feel his presence, you know, to, feel, to see that every feather is setting just right. We ought to take inventory every once in a while and just to see how everything's feeling. Don't you think so? I like that. Just that real comfortable feeling like I do right now, Brother Branham says. See, he's right around right now. And I thought, I see what it is. And another thing, he's not afraid because he knows where he's standing. He just knows how much he can do and how much he can't. And he's trusting his God-given gift to take him away from the danger. And if God could give an eagle that much confidence by instinct, how much more confidence ought we to have with the power of the Holy Ghost upon us? Take, away, take us away from danger. Fly away. Sure, get away from it. Just rise up and believe it. No need of us being this way, being sick, being broke up. Brother Branham says being divided in 100 or 969 different organizations. Let's fly away from it. Amen. Get on out of it. We're not bound by anything, but fly away. But this eagle, I watched him for a few minutes. And after a while, he got tired of hearing their chatter, chatter. So he just made one big jump. He flopped his wings about, flopping his wings about three times like that, and he was done beyond the timber. And I thought, my, what a powerful, the wind almost knocked me down when he raised up. The power of that wing coming up, few, few, like that. He was rising up into the timber, and I thought, my, he could fly a long ways. But you know, he never flapped his wing one more time. Brother Branham says this, just set your wings. When the Holy Ghost comes in like a wave, just ride up on it like that. Get on out of the way, up, up, till you can't hear it anymore. That's the way. Get so high in the atmospheres of God's grace till you don't hear that chatter, chatter anymore becomes dead to you, you're up in the heavenlies. Flying higher than Babylon. Today we live in a place called spiritual Babylon. Today we live in a place, I, we took a service with the young people a, a couple of Fridays ago, and 
We looked at Daniel's story. And in, in, in Daniel chapter 1, we see that there was a, a decree that was put forth to call all of the children with, in whom there was no blemish to come and serve the king of Babylon. And, and I began to look at Babylon over the last while and, and, and study the historical part of Babylon. And, and I appreciated Brother Ed putting that slide up briefly that just put a little bit of a timeline. Babylon, there was in, in, in Abraham's day, Babylon existed under Nimrod in and around that time frame. And it was an amazing place. By world standards, it was an amazing place. They had a code of laws that was so civilized. Did you know that Babylon and ancient Babylon had medical malpractice laws and veterinary malpractice laws? They were not cavemen. They were smart, civilized, interesting people. The art that they had, the language, the, the culture, it was not just a pagan or a godless place. It was probably more God-filled than a place like Canada is today. It was spiritual. They loved worshiping the wrong gods, but they were spiritual and religious. They were a people that, that build beautiful cities. If you look up just ancient Babylon and spend some time looking at ancient Babylon and, and then Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, it's incredible. On man's scale, it was amazing. I was reading a, a history article, and they, they, they seemed to say that everyone, all of humanity loves the history of Babylon. It's, it was an amazing city. The only people that seem to have a negative view of Babylon seems to be the Christians, because we, we get where it's coming from. We know what it, where it goes and where it, where it comes from. But Babylon was a neat place. They had the, the beautiful, and I say beautiful in a, in a half facetious way. It was beautiful by worldly standards. But it was a place with walls. I believe they could race chariots on it. They had the beautiful blue gate of Ishtar. They had religion and they had, I think it was the first city in that time frame that had somewhere around 100,000 people or more in it. So I can't remember the number on that. But lots and lots of people, it was, it was a special place. And by the world standards, it was the cradle of civilization. So when, 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 when the Hebrew children and when Israel as a whole got taken captive to Babylon, now, now in Nebuchadnezzar's time, so the next round when Babylon had rose again, I bet you there was some Israelites that thought, wow, this is actually a pretty good deal. This looks better than Jerusalem. The walls are bigger. The people are more cultured. The people, they have things I've never seen before. They have something that would attract my attention. They have something that would draw me. The, the Babylonians were not cavemen. And the Israelites were not cavemen either. They were people just like you and me, just with less technology and a little bit different way of doing everything. But today we live in a place called spiritual Babylon. But for one moment, I, I, just looking at the story of Daniel, just for a moment, in Daniel chapter 1, I wonder if we could look in Daniel chapter, yeah, in Daniel chapter 1. We'll see. I believe it's in verse, in verse 1, we'll read Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. And in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar. And history knows this man. He was a real man. I believe his inscription is still there in, in Babylon and Iraq today came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried away into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And, 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 he, and, he, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring out certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish. I believe that's us. The children that we even raise in the message, our young people, we could look at that and say, children in whom there's no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding signs and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And I want to say these three young men were not the ones that looked at Babylon and thought, oh, this is a good deal. This is neat. There's a pole there. These were three that, that saw through, four that saw through and said, there's something so evil about this place. There's something so wrong about this place. Is it beautiful? Yes. Is it attractive? Yes. Do I want to be here? No. I want to be back in Jerusalem. And if I can't be back in Jerusalem, I want to serve God here. And I want to fly higher than where I'm living. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's portion, with the king's meat or with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I'm going to skip through that story and say God honored that in such a way that he purposed in his heart and God backed him up. They ate pulse and vegetables and water for 10 days. Everyone else ate other things. And God backed him up and said, because you stood for me, I'll stand for you. So much so that this happened in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 verse 1. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreams, dream, dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. And the king commanded to call all the magicians and astrologers and sorcerers and Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto him, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Sirach, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. They thought, ah, oh, if, if you can tell us the dream, we'll tell you what you want to hear, and we'll get a raise. But, but Nebuchadnezzar wanted some real interpretation. He wanted something that would be real. He was troubled, and there was something about these dreams that had struck him. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you'll not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces. So Babylon was civilized, but they also did this still. And your houses shall be made a dunghill. Also probably something we don't do. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall show of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. And they said, well, they answered and they said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show him the interpretation. And it goes on. And the story goes on. And we know that they came in and Daniel said, let us pray. And they prayed. And the dream was shown to Daniel and he told the king the dream. You're the head of gold. But watch what happens next. 
In verse 46, I wonder if we could jump to verse 46 of Daniel chapter 2. He, he, he's just told him the whole dream. And then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. And the king answered Daniel and said, Of a truth that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. In that dream that was given in the interpretation, God in the interpretation actually calls Nebuchadnezzar a king of kings. But Nebuchadnezzar recognized this is the Lord of kings that gave you this dream. This is the God of gods and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret. And something happens. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors of all the wise men of Babylon. So there was Daniel. He purposed in his heart, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's meat. I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to pray three times a day. I'm going to do all of these things. Then there comes a test where he's going to be killed. He submits himself to God. God gives him the answer to the dream, saves his life, his friend's life, all the wise men's lives, and he gets a promotion. And now he's higher in Babylon. Not only is he higher, but he plays a little maybe, you could say politics for a moment, and requests of the king that he sets his friends over everyone else in Babylon too. And now he's reached a spot. He has authority now in Babylon. He was living free in Babylon. He was living in the same spot we live in today. What he could say in Babylon would happen. He could control his situation and his, 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 his atmosphere and his world. He was a ruler that God had brought him to higher. He had elevated him. He probably had a house high up on the castle wall. And he could look down on Babylon and see all of the things, but he didn't have to be a part of it. He was promoted up higher. God had given him a spot where he was free from it all. He didn't have to worry about it. He worked in it. He worked in high in government in Babylon. He worked in it. He lived in it. He had friends there. He had family. He had his, but he was different. He was promoted to a spot that was above everyone else. And really, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't his king. God was his king. And he lived in such a place that he could be above what he said could happen. He had authority. He had privileges. He had rights in the middle of absolute, the insanity of that day. But he had rights. All Daniel had to do to have those rights, to be able to live the way he wanted to live, was to live in the promoted position that God had given him. To live higher. If he ever went down and quit his job, and he would be right among everything else. But if he stayed where God had promoted him to and stayed faithful and obedient, God would back him up time and time again, and he could live higher than Babylon. Today, we're in spiritual Babylon. Today, we live in a time of denominationalism that comes all the way into our ranks if we don't watch it. One word off. Did you know that Satan wasn't there to try to teach Eve something new or different? He was there to teach her the word wrongly. You shall not surely die, quoting most of the Scripture. You know, Judas was religious. 
Cain was religious. But what they did, what they got wrong, is they stayed in that realm that they were living in. Not in revelation, but in a realm of knowledge and understanding and, and, and accepting a twist on the word. They accepted something that wasn't right. And they, made, and they stayed in their own spot. Brother Branham would say, people say, well, now, Brother Branham, when I believe, and I want to look at Revelation for a moment, how important Revelation is to us. We've heard the quotes, Revelation is so important, but here's some illustration of it. Brother Branham, well, when I believe, that settles it. No, it doesn't. There has to be a transaction of God there in a confirmation of your faith giving you a new birth. We can say we believe it. We can say this, but God has to identify himself in it. How many is tell the people here, he says, I'm just so sick and tired of people thumbing their way to heaven. You say, well, you believe that? A hitchhiker, he says, kind of, take me with you. They say, you believe that? Uh-huh, you believe that? You believe that? He says, that's hitchhikers. Brother, God ain't got such things as that. A man's got to be born of the Spirit of God, a regenerated and made a new creature, or he's lost. That's exactly right. We've got to accept it. Well, you say, well, if I believe, that settles it. No, it doesn't. My. He says, no, it doesn't. I told you the other night that Cain was a believer. And I'll give you a little stronger meat than that tonight if you want to believe it. The devil is a believer. The Bible says he is. He believes and trembles. I was imagining the creation of the angels as Brother Ed was preaching, and I just kind of wondered if the very first angel was created was God's enemy. Poof, there's the devil, and he looked him in the eye and said, but by the end of this, you're going down, and you don't even know what's going to happen yet. And I told you the other night, Cain was a believer. The devil is a believer. The Bible says he is. He believes and trembles. The devil is a believer. Now, if faith and belief in God is all you have to have to be saved, then the devil saved according to the word of God. Aye. But brother, it's got to take the Holy Spirit. It's got to take a new birth, a regeneration, a new creature in Christ. Now it's saying, well, I believe. Are you putting me off? No, no. What I want to focus on is this. We don't want to just have the knowledge of the message. We can't just have the, the, the mental conception of all we've been taught in our lives. We can't just live in a realm where I've got it figured out. It's got to go all the way down to a revelation. What does that mean? It's got to come all the way down where it strikes all the way home to a seed. And it lives on Monday. And then it lives on Tuesday. And then when we fall down on Wednesday, we get up, and it keeps living on Wednesday. And all the way through. And do we fall? Absolutely. But there's something that keeps holding us that's beyond our mental conception. Our mental conception is where Babylon is. Our mental realm of understanding where we, where we have it figured out in our mind. Eve had it figured out in her mind, and she got it wildly wrong. Satan taught her the word. And it was not right. But it was a twist to say, surely you won't, surely God wasn't quite, God's a good God. When God comes down and puts his spirit into you, then you're no more your own, but your God's. 
Brother, J- Brother James says in the book of James, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. A man can say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith by thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And then he says this, You believe in one God? You don't even believe in a trinity? That's amazing. So does the devil, because he knows there's one God. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So what do we need? What is the flight? I, keep, I, I say fly higher. What is the flight that we fly in? Set your wings to the winds of faith. What is faith? Revelation. What do we fly in that goes up higher than all of the other things? The revelation of the word for your day. Moses lived for 80 years of his life being taught who he was by his mother. He knew, let me say this, and I hope you catch the double meaning of this. He knew who he was, and yet he didn't have a clue who he was. He didn't. He had one dead Egyptian to speak for it. When he was called to live as the deliverer, he knew who he was here. But until he met a burning bush, until he met God on the backside of the desert after 40 more years of taking all of his mental conceptions out of him, he had lived in the message for 80 years of his life, told who he was all of his life. He knew, I'm the deliverer of Egypt. I was raised up to deliver. I was raised up. I know my purpose. And he didn't have a clue of what his purpose was because it wasn't real. And I say he had a clue. I get it. He, I understand. He had a clue in his mind. But there was no power to that. There was no opening. There was no deliverance whatsoever until it, until it struck his heart. Moses went to the backside of a desert. It was stripped of himself for 40 years. All of the mental conception he had, all of the denominational ideas he had, all of the thoughts that he had of how he could set them free. And he met a, a burning bush. And by then he said, I can't even do it. But God came and deposited something on the inside. That when he went back to Egypt, he was a different Moses. He had revelation. He had something in him. And I, he did have an understanding. But the important thing was when it gone from here to here. I was thinking about how, and there's so much I could say on Babylon, but I, I won't go there. I want to actually fly higher than that for most of this, not even talk about it. But the way I could define Babylon as I studied, as I looked at it, and there's maybe more to say on it, but spiritual Babylon is feeling the height of spirituality, not even the world, but feeling the height of spirituality, the feeling of God, the feeling of the presence of God, so-called and not having an ounce of revelation of the open word. That's what it is. It's feeling it. It's knowing it. You feel, but there's no revelation there. That's a dangerous place to be, because that's what Babylon is. It creeps all the way into the message. And if I could say this, and I, I'll say it, what was, the, what was the height of Babylon in one way? When they built a golden image to worship. They built a golden image to worship. They said, when the music plays, you all bow down. What did Brother Branham say who that image was? Daniel. So what would be the height of Babylon? 
to worship the prophet for your day. Not even that. We know the Catholics are, but it comes all the way here. We can't deviate from one word. We can't get our focus off on anything else. We have to stay, and we have to go higher than Babylon. Moses knew it all. He grew up, and for 80 years, he knew it. But the good news is, in five minutes with a burning bush, the good news for Paul, in five minutes with the pillar of fire, he could go from here persecuting the church, and he could go to leading it. Brother Branham says this quote, I believe it was Brother Simon Lull that put this on, 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 and I saw it. This is such an amazing quote. Oh, my dear friends from around this country and this city, if I could only with my human voice place into your heart the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it would be the most wonderful revelation you ever had in your life. And I'm going to read it one more time. He just said that this would be the most, most wonderful revelation you could have. And this is what he said it was. Oh, my dear friends from around this country and in this city, if I could only with my human voice place into your heart the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it would be the most wonderful revelation. That's the ticket out. We can be raised in the message. We can live, we can know it. I, I've been, I'm 26 now, and I've been born in this church. The amount of things that I've maybe heard but until it becomes life, it's nothing. It means nothing. And I could be lost at the end of it. So unless it goes from head to heart, how do you get there? Well, we'll, we'll look at that. Revelation lifts you higher. And I want to say this. As, as Wesley moved, as we moved from Luther to Wesley, and as we moved from Pentecost to where we are, the word for today, notice I just did that linearly. But really, what is it is, is a wheat plant. It goes higher. It doesn't just, the, the life goes higher. In, from the stock, to the tassel, to the shock, to the wheat. It goes higher. It raises up. It's something that, and it doesn't go backwards. It doesn't go down. Brother Branham would say, he was in the beginning he was the blades, he was in the tossels, he was in the shuck, this is anointed ones at the end time, but now he's in the grain, way up here. Now you go back and try to live again. What if that life took back down and you think that life would ever talk or go back down after that old shuck is dry back and go back and live in that? It never does. All of the other things, the other ages, all of the other things, can there be good you could see in it? And did they see things? Absolutely. But there's a life and a word for today. Now, I want to look at an eagle for a little bit. Brother Branham would talk about that, that story of the eagle. And he would talk about how it was born in, in the barn, and I'm, I've lost my quote. I'm not sure where it, there it is. Found it. Brother Branham would say, and lean not to your own understanding. You want an incredible message in 1965. I got that little story about the eagle walking with the hens and the chickens because he was hatched out there and born there, but he just never did feel like them eat chickens. And you know, when his mummy came by and hollered, he heard a voice that sounded awful good to them because, remember, he was an eagle to begin with. He just had to come and find himself to find his place, 
That's the way every believer is. You wasn't born for this world. You was created in the image of God to be a son of God. You don't belong in this chicken yard out here. You don't belong down in Babylon. You belong up. You're an eagle. Now, Brother Branham began to talk about this eagle, and it was a special bird. Brother Branham would say, there's none like him anywhere in all the bird family. There's nothing that can soar like an eagle. How I've watched them till they just go completely out of reach of my binoculars, just up on into the air to its highest and highest. You hear very much about the hawk and hawkeye. Oh, he's an amateur to the eagle. He couldn't follow that eagle no more than a Model T Ford could follow one of the modern ones. Why, he's so far ahead of the hawk. The hawk would try to go up in the air with him. The hawk would die. He's a special made body. Dropping down, oh, how typical that is of the church of the living God. Living in an atmosphere. Living in a place which is far supreme of anything of this earthly journey. Living into a place where all things are possible. That's where all things are possible. When you believe the winds of faith that higher realm that's higher than this earth, living under such an atmosphere that they're not looking no more to the things of this world, but they've been caught up and set in heavenly places in Christ. God has to do something to design this type of body. And Brother Brandon would talk about a trapped eagle. He went to the, I believe it was the Chicago Zoo, and he saw what he thought was one of the most awful sights, a beautiful eagle with its with its wings and with its bill and its eyes, and it's in a cage. It's stuck in a spot. In our lives, we do that. We get stuck in these places in our own minds many times. Like that song says, I bless your name. Some midnight hour, if you find you're in a prison, where? In your mind. But that eagle was trapped. And it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good spot to be. Brother Randall say, oh, my, oh, God, what a sight. An eagle, a heavenly bird, and how that his home is not on the ground, his home is in the air. He's not an earthbound creature. I heard a brother once say that as Christians, an eagle spends most of his time between heaven and earth. He doesn't really have good feet for walking. Can't go all the way to heaven, the type for us. We have to learn how to spend most of our time between heaven and earth. We can't go all the way to heaven. We don't want to spend too much time grounded to this earth. So he wasn't meant to be down there. And he's not an earthbound creature, but the cunning devices of man had trapped him. And no matter how much he tried to free himself, he could not do it. And he was merely beating his brains out to say against those iron bars. And I thought, isn't that true? That men trying to free yourself of these cunning devices of Satan by joining church or, or trying to do whatever you do, you're only beating your brains out. You can't do it. You're caged. You're caught. And can, you can make yourself no more free than, than an eagle. Brother Brandon would say, oh, I've seen sights worse than that. Men and women who were born to be sons and daughters of God and they're caged and walking, walking around in this world trapped in sin, shaped in iniquity. Men and, men and women who were born to be free. As time, and I, I think about this a little bit, and when we're, when we're raised, I'll say when we're raised in church, when we're raised in the message, when we, and whether or not we're raised in church, when we've been in church for a while, there's moments where you see hurts and disappointments 
in church where someone does something that is so disappointing to you and you say, I I can't believe they did that or I can't believe they said that. And if they really thought about it, they might not have believed they did it or said it either. Many times people don't actively try to hurt one another. It happens. And we didn't even mean to. And those types of things can knock you out of the sky if you're not careful. Those kinds of moments where someone said something and they didn't maybe even mean to, we should at least try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They might not have meant to. They might not have realized how it came across or, or what it was. And it knocks you out of the sky for a while. And, and you get down on the ground and you, you're disoriented and you feel, and I feel, and anyone can feel, why would they do that? Why would this happen? Why would God allow it? Why in the church? And we can build a complex about that. And we can build a, 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 a self-pity, really, or, or, or a, there could be that, or there could be a, a hurt, or, or an anger, or a, a disappointment, or a... And I, I want to get to something that Brother Branham says a little bit later. The one way to get out of that, and it's real, hurt is real. People might need to make things right to you, and you might need to make things right to someone else. But if we can get to a spot where you fly higher than it, that's the way for freedom of it. It's to say, oh God, what, what might have been, what might have been, what wasn't right. I felt hurt by it. I, I, I don't feel like I, and, and people will leave church over it. There will be things that will happen. But if you can get to a spot where you say, oh God, I, I, I understand this wasn't right and that wasn't right, but you're true. And they probably love you too. They, they just, something went wrong somewhere. And you can begin to say, oh God, I, I, want, I have no, maybe I don't feel any forgiveness in me, but I want to try. And I want to try to fly higher than that. When we get to temptation, when temptation comes on us, what do you do? If you, you, can, you can face it, try to face it head on, and you can sometimes win, sometimes lose, or you can try to fly higher than that. You turn on a tape and you enter into the spirit of it, or you start singing a song. I was, it was the other day I was going through a mind battle, and I started singing, the devil don't like no praising around here. He kind of got out of the car. It was great. He wasn't welcome in there. The atmosphere changed. He started to leave. It started to pull back. He was starting to, starting to leave the car. I had to fight with him for a little bit. But when we do something that we don't sit there and be like, ugh, I, I, feel the, I feel the battle, or I feel this, or, but we say, how do I get higher than this? How do I get higher than this? We sing that song, maybe you need reminding to Satan, Satan, that you're under my feet. The scripture says that he would raise us up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and that he would put all things under his feet, and he's the head and we're the body. I'll say this, He's really under your feet when you're flying above him. He's on the ground and you're, you're gone. There's not even, there's not even, a, there's not even a, an interaction anymore. He's under your feet, but you're gone. We all have a humanity and we all have weaknesses. And, and, and everyone's weakness, one might be different than the other. But we need to, on the other side, learn to look past the veil and say, okay, that's, that's that brother, and they, you know what? They have that weakness, and I don't understand it. But I see they love God, and I've been blessed by them. Or there's that sister, and they always do this, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. 
But what's the other side of the veil? That was the, 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 the amazing part about the court in, 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 in Moses' tabernacle. It was behind badger skins. And the glory of God rested there. And in your brother and sister, the glory of God rests there. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. If we don't fly higher than that, people will say, oh, it's a, it's a classic statement. I, there's hypocrites in church. And there's hypocrites in Walmart. And you still go. I don't know why I'm on this. I just some thoughts I've been having. I, I, we need to get to a place. I'll say this. We don't want to judge every story until it's done. As we go through church, as we go through and see people, and we can see something, we're like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Or we can say, that's wildly wrong. And we can get, that's wrong, that's wrong. Don't judge it until it's done. Amen. What do I mean by that? We need to be able to have discernment maybe for where something's at. Okay, that's not right. Or this is this. But not put a foregone conclusion to it. Paul had a foregone conclusion on him by many church people that had had their own family persecuted by him. Five minutes in the presence of God and the story of Paul was rewritten. And he went from persecuting the church to leading it. We can see things and maybe we recognize something that why, why this or why that. But to look past and say, oh God, I don't understand. Is it right? No, maybe not. But I don't know how it ends. And begin to fly higher. Amen. Begin to say, oh God, now I want to pray for that situation. I want to pray for that brother. I want to, I want to pray for that family. I want to pray for that situation. Someone probably judged you when you were at your lowest. But look where God brought you to. Look where God brought me. God is always working. God never stops working. Even when we don't see it, in an unseen realm, Brother Andrew preached on seeing the unseen. In an unseen realm, he's still working. No matter what the family situation is, no matter where your lost loved one is at, no matter where the situation is, don't judge it now. It is not a foregone conclusion. If we can fly higher... If we can reach those realms of heavenly places where all things are possible. It's just like watching the end times that we're watching happen now. We know how it's we know what's going to happen at the end. We don't know how. So we got to stop and not get too caught up with trying to figure it out. Let God do it. Brother Branham said or I was sorry, not brother Branham. We can say, I know better sometimes, but we don't want to lean to our own understanding. We want to surrender to God's. Lean to revelation. If God's ever dropped it in your heart that your lost loved one's coming back, never give up. If God's ever dropped in your heart that you can claim your loved ones and that's your inheritance, never give up. The more, another statement that, I, I, brother, actually, this was Brother Danny Steeman that kind of took this from this line here. But the devil will say, you know, the more we need to know more about God and know more about God and know more about God. And then the more you know about God, the closer you'll be to Him. No. The more revelation you have of God, the closer you'll be to Him, but not the more you know. But the more you have faith in God, and the more you know about God, the more faith you'll have. 
And he said this, not criticism, but more faith. We can get sometimes so caught up where we know so much. And I'm feeling, maybe I'm feeling like Brother Andrew, Brother Moses saying, I didn't want to say this. I, now I'm feeling like, man, this is hard to say. <laughs> but we can have moments where we feel like, and this, <laughs> this is my own experience, where I feel like I knew so much. I knew the right way it was supposed to be. I knew this is this and this is that, and all my T's and I's were dotted in the wrong spots. And I had a critical spirit about it. The more you know God is the more faith you have. Not criticism, not all these other things. To be spiritual is not to be raised up in a spot of looking down on someone. But to say you can come up higher too. The higher you fly, the farther you can see. God, again, likened the eagle, being that he was so high, could go so high, he likened them to his prophets. He calls his prophets the eagle because the eagle can go so high, he can see so far away. Now, the higher you go, the farther you can see. So you can see to the end where the promise is fulfilled. By faith, my loved one is coming in. Or I am healed. Then if his eye don't compare with his ability to climb in, he would be blind. I think he was looking at an eagle and a hawk. Oh, if the church could only come, or, or perhaps, but it, oh, if the church could only have the eagle's eye to be able, not natural eyes that's earthbound, but a spiritual eye that can see far. Then he says this, and the born-again person climbing up into these atmospheres and stratospheres can by faith look way yonder and see the omnipotent, omnipotence of God and call every word a positive act. What is acting in true revelation beyond Babylon? Saying amen to every word. Living in a spot of complete faith, perfect faith. He's designed to climb. And then it says this, by prayer he moves on and on until he's in there. How do we get into these realms? It can be a song, there can be a tape. Many times it's by prayer. To kneel down and say, oh God, or to go for a walk and say, oh God, I want to talk to you for a little bit. And reach another realm where nothing else, like that, 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 that little squirrel and the eagle, the squirrel didn't matter anymore. He was gone. The gun didn't matter anymore. He was gone. Brother Brandon would talk about how he, I believe he would see a vision and the description of it. Only thing I could see a vision, when he would see a vision, he would see what happened, and there it is, and then he says, then I just acted out. It's just a drama to me. What if we got to a place where we lived in faith with God and, 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 and looked at the promises of God and said, that's a positive act. I want to I claim my promise. I want to claim whatever it is, and then, and then got ready to watch how it would happen. Because Brother Brandon would say, it's only a drama then. Once it's been promised, once it's been accepted, once you've stood positive on the word, it has to happen. Amen. And if you say, well, well, did you believe it? It has to happen. If you've truly accepted it by faith, if it's dropped in your heart, all that happens next is a drama. I remember Brother Ed had shared this story about, I think he was out in Banff, and he had said you would lost your phone. And he said he lost his phone, and he says, I didn't even pray about it. 
He says, because I remembered I'd committed my day to God at the beginning of the day. The rest of the day is a drama. Whatever happens from here on out, it's all in the hands of God. We don't have to have some kind of almost Catholic tradition where we, you, 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 we want to do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, but where you're almost worried and praying, I hope, the, I hope I come across in the right way. If we truly commit it to God, believe it for him. Believe him. Believe him. He took it. We don't have to keep planning it and then digging it up again. And planning it and digging it up again. Planning it and digging it up again. If you've committed your day, yes, we might pray. We'll pray throughout the whole day. Pray without ceasing. But to walk in a realm of faith. Brother Brandon would talk also about, I believe, the boy in Finland and how he had he realized, okay, this is that boy. Oh, you don't know how it feels. He knew he'd saw a vision. You know where you're at then. All devils of hell, if he'd line everything up that was hell all around, it never stop it. You could take every devil in hell and line them up. It would never stop it. It's there. It's got to happen. Now, the only thing is, the only thing is just drama from here on out. Brother Harold would say, growing up, he would make this statement, how I remember it, he would say, I never struggled for revelation. As I, as I looked in the Word and saw truth, I never struggled for it. I, I just waited till God would give it. If I didn't see something, I'd put it on the shelf. I never struggled for it. Help us not to, it's not about flopping your wings. It's about setting your wings. If you don't see something, ask God for it. If Brother Brandon would say, if revelation is beyond you, look up and ask God for it. Ask God for him to come and strike your heart, quicken you, and set you on fire. Brother Brandon would say, don't sympathize with them, the Christians, the believers. Become one of them. That's when by faith, you walk by faith by the unseen. And I'm winding down. I, I was looking at this, this thought as the eagle stirs its nest. And it struck me. Brother Branham would say something at the beginning of the one in, uh, I think, 1957 in Jeffersonville. I think it was maybe the second one he preached. He preached as the eagle stirs his nest a number of times, starting in 1957. And he says this at the very beginning of the service, preaching the eagle stirs his nest. And I want you to catch the contrast of the two different Bible stories that he looks, or two different allegories, I could say, that he looks at. He says, I guess many of you remember the time that we went, I think, out into the evangelistic field. And I preached that morning on the subject of David meeting Goliath. And we love the story of David meeting Goliath. It's a battle. The underdog wins and the giant gets his head cut off. And we love to see that in our lives. And God does that in our lives. Where we come out face to face with the enemy. He says, I preached that morning on the subject of David meeting Goliath. How many hears left of that group that was here that morning? Oh, a number of you. David going to meet Goliath about 11 years ago. And it started. That's where I started, he said. David meeting Goliath. That's where I started. And after that came forth Brother Freeman, Brother Oral Roberts, Brother Allen, and Billy Graham came after that. And, Brother Billy Graham, and, he, and he goes on. And, now, and then he says this. And he makes kind of an allusion to something that he picks up at the end of the service. He says, now I, I just never told my wife or any one person about this. I just left this for this morning to say it before the church. It has been all along that I have been able to find, look like, he says, it has been all along that I have never been able to find, look like, a, a spot or a place of a starting place. 
And I, I never want to say, well, go do this or my great meetings or this or that. I always rather just stand on the sideline and be small and do the will of the Lord. But now I feel that one but now I feel that one time out of this 11 years that I'm now getting to a spot where I see what I believe the Lord is going to do. My, what I was here for, and I'm without any selfishness or with all that was in my heart is to go serve the Lord and try to push the gospel just as hard as I can. He makes a statement. He says, I started out in my ministry with David meeting Goliath as I went out into the field. But something happened. He said, I, I feel like I couldn't find my starting place. And, and I feel like for the first time, I, I found something. He says, I didn't tell anyone else about it. And then he preaches as the eagle stirs her nest. and begins to talk about the eagle. And the eagle flying out. And, and the eagle in the barnyard. And different parts of the eagle. And then at the end of the message, he closes it with this. He says, and I, I'm winding down. He says, storms of life gets bad. Someday you're coming down to the Jordan. That's right. I've done, and he says, oh, I've done, talked it all over with him. I don't want no trouble then. Dropping down. He says, I want you to get this close. I have found out, and last night or this morning, early the Lord was speaking when I was praying. And I went down in the basement yesterday, staying a while on my knees before, there before God in prayer. And he says this, it seems that this come to me. I said, Tomorrow morning for a little farewell, as I did, I'm starting this morning, not as David met Goliath, but as the eagle took to the air. It was a different kind of fight. That's a different kind of fight. It was a different kind of shift in focus. There was, there was a head-to-head -head battle with David and Goliath and, and facing the enemy, and that's God. But he said, now I, I see a shift not so much as David and, and Goliath and one-on-one, and -on -one, but getting out of there. Flying higher. Saying, oh God, I, take me higher. And ultimately, oh God, even so come. Let me meet you in the air. See, Brother Branham says, but as the eagle took the air, see in the new type. Notice, I want you to mark that in your remembrance because it's on tape here. Now he says, now, now think of whatever, whatever holds us back in life, the things that we need to fly higher of. He begins to dissect something. He begins to, to show where do we go, what, what, what holds us back, what knocks us out of the sky. He says, I want you to mark that in your remembrance. The one thing that's the matter with people that they don't get healed is not because, he says, look, I've wondered. Here sets one healed, here's one not Linger on and on. Here's another one here. This one's healed. This one's not. This one, this one gets healed. The next one gets healed. This one's not. There's something wrong somewhere. And I think it's this. It's a complex that people build up. Especially people that's been sick a while. And I could add on, especially people that's been in any situation for a while. You've got a habit you struggle with. You have a, something that holds you back, a mental battle, a sickness, a situation. Uh, and it, they, you've been in it in a while. And the longer you're in it, the longer the eagle's in the cage, the less he remembers freedom. The less he believes it's possible. And in your own mind, you start to, your defeat level goes up and your faith goes down. 
Now you don't, Brother Branham says, you'll resent this when I tell you, but it's true. You take a child that's been petted. The child comes to a place that just wants to be petted. Oh, good, good child. It builds up a complex. He calls that a complex. You can't do nothing with that child until you shake him right good. I didn't say it. Brother Branham said it. He's, now there is a time when a person, and I'm not saying to shake your child. Now there's a time when a person gets sick, and then he says this, they become self-pitied. Oh, I'm in such a condition. I've prayed for people, he says, that say, well, I don't feel any better. He says, I don't believe I feel any better. And Brother Branham says, you'll never feel any better like that. That's not it. If, that, if that's the attitude, don't approach him at all because it's not right in his sight. Don't have a complex, but come with a burly, robust faith. It's a settled thing. God said so, and this settles it right now. There's a sister I usually pray for. A sister, obviously, that would go through different things. But Brother Brown would say, I usually pray for her. I believe she, Miss, Mrs. Rooks, sitting here. I always liked the approach of Sister Rooks. She was healed, dying with a cancer down here. At the high school, the night I had the service, that startled a few doctors. But she was healed, and she come to me not, not long ago with something else wrong with her. She just come up and said, Brother Branham, just pray for me. Went up, prayed for her. They said that she, oh, said, it's just settled. It's all over. They prayed for me. That settles it. Brother Branham says, now that's what I'm talking about. She would have many problems. She'd go for Brother Branham. Pray for me. He'd pray for her. She'd move on. And God would move. Not saying, well, let's see. No, I don't believe I feel any better. Oh, mercy. Don't come like that. It's finished when God's word is obeyed. It's finished. Just set your hold like that eagle. Let the wind shake. Hold right there. It's finished. You know what I mean? A complex. He says self-pity. You're in a pitiful condition then. That's really true. When you get to pitying yourself, you want everyone to pity you. And you pity yourself. Brother Branham says, and it's not exclusive to anyone, Brother Branham says, I hit that spot. He says, I hit that spot sitting there right, right, right there on the porch with a breakdown. He had been he'd staying in a meeting eight days without coming out for food or anything or sleep. Just stayed there right at the platform to a place I got sick. I got to a place where I said, oh, I just can't feel any better. And then he says, one day I heard a scream. Come up a little higher. I heard a scream. I heard it in a little book. I want to read this book one day. I was like, wow, that looks like a good one. Called Christian Confession by F.F. Bosworth. That Christians... They confess not what they see, but what they believe. I thought that was striking. Not what you see. What, what do you believe? Confess it. Brother Branham says you accept it, you, you, you believe it, and you confess it. And God can act in your confession. The Bible says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. I remember Brother Ken Boyer many times saying this statement. Do you want to change your life? Change your confession. Do you want to change your life? Change your confession. We see, don't make, Christians, they confess not what they see, but what they believe. Don't make any difference what you're looking at. We don't see by our sight. We see by our faith. We call those things, Abraham called those things which were not as though they were. He confessed them. There's not, when there's not one, there wasn't a possibility of it happening anywhere. He was 100 years old. 
God brought it to pass, dropping down. Daniel in the hungry lines then, and he goes on. Brother Branham says this. No self-pity, just speak the word. I am the Lord who heals all thy diseases, even the mental ones. Even the mental ones, even the emotional ones, even the ones that hit you in your mind and in your heart and in the scars. And, and, and sometimes I, I, we could say, and I believe it's been preached on scars, scar might stay for a purpose to remind you of something, different things. But God can pour in the balm of Gilead and bring you to such a spot where you're flying higher than all of that. I am the Lord who heals all thy diseases. I don't care what your conditions are. If you'll lay a hold on the wings of God's eternal promise this morning and say, it is mine, it belongs to me. Something in me called, here to the, called me here to this tabernacle to be prayed for. I'm taking a hold of the word, and no matter what shape, I'm staying right with it. Brother Branham says, you'll get well. We can stay in a spot of self-pity. We can stay in a spot of, of discouragement. So many things, I guess, I remember growing up. Brother, Brother Harold would say, the devil is deadly with discouragement. When you don't feel adequate in yourself and you've messed up again and you're down and, and then the devil piles it on. But if you can begin to shake yourself, there was a, there was a maniac of Gadaria that began to shake himself and pull himself towards the word. The devils didn't want him to go. But he began to say, I, there's something over there. There's a, there's a pull. I want to be free. I want to be well. There was a man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to be well? He had all of the excuses, and he had some bad friends that never took him to the pool. He'd been there for 38 years. He had all of the reasons to self-pity. But Jesus said, that's not what I asked you. Do you want to be well? I'll say tonight, do you want to be free? Do you want to fly higher than all of the things of Babylon? It's possible. All things are possible, no matter what the situation, no matter what the condition, no matter what. There's a promise to be able to fly higher than all of the other things. You talk about running around a tree and praising God. I, I, still, I think about Miriam and how she was over 80 years old and she had been bound and in captivity for all of her life. A, a whip on her back, an Egyptian down her neck to watch them die. She probably never thought it was possible. At that point, she probably thought, I'll outlive seeing the deliverer. She, she knew her own brother would be the deliverer. Maybe she thought at this point, I'm not even going to see it. I don't even know what's going on and he's gone. But he comes back one day. She sees her little brother come into town, a lot different than he was 40 years ago. He wasn't so high and, and mighty in his own mind. He wasn't so, I, I know who I am, and you don't, and I'm going to go. But he was humble. He was, he, was, he was carrying a stick. He had a wife with a temper beside him. He had a kid on his hip. And he was going down to Egypt to take over by revelation. There was no more knowledge involved. There was nothing else. You could say he was flying into Egypt. He was coming in and he was going to deliver. And all of those people, and Miriam stood at that bank at the end, at the, her new beginning. She could watch all of her enemies, all of their whips, all of their chariots, all of the mental battles, all of the struggles, all of the things. 
and they were going down. That's possible. It's not even possible. It's probable. It's not even probable. It will happen if we can believe it, if we can set our wings to the winds of faith and say, oh God, I've been in this valley for so long. I've been in this pit for so long. I've been in this, this, this whatever it is for so long. But oh God, I know that you're true. I know who am I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. The things that we commit to him, he can keep it. We get in our own minds and we hold on to our own worlds and we, we set up everything the way we want to set it up and we, we set up our own little paradise and God will let it fall apart until we get to that spot where we just don't lean to our own understanding anymore, where we don't lean to our own ways anymore. We say, oh God, make me more like you. Oh God, make me more like you. If the musicians could come. That's what he's spreading to the sick people, to you sick people. You that's sick. You that seems like you're going to sit there all your life. If the devil can get you to believe that, he's got you. But then Brother Branham says, but you darling little eaglets, God spreads forth his word. Lay to it. Stand there. Don't let nothing shake you. She's time-tested. If you're a sinner and scared to die, what will I do, Brother Branham, when the, these little brittle threads of life begins to break and my soul is plunging into somewhere I know not? Set your faith in his word. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood feeds from my beak has everlasting life. I will raise him up at the last day. When all of the earth's trials beyond the dark, when, all, when in all of earth's trials beyond the darkening veil and the tears and sorrows of this life, the real eagle sets his claws there and says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All on the wings of my mother shall I rest, holding the wings of the cross, knowing that that's been bought through the, the atonement. She takes them into the sky. Oh, if you'll hold to God's unchanging word, you'll have a test flight pretty soon. We'll have, we can have test flights on earth, and one day there'll be a flight, and we'll be gone. One last quote, Brother Branham would say, they've got UNs, we, we look at COVID and the news, and they've got UNs and leagues of nations and everything trying to bring peace. But as long as Satan is at the top of it in politics, what's going to happen? They'll fight just as sure as the world. But there will come a time when all the arms will be stacked and the taps will sound and the morning breaks eternal, bright, and clear. Our king shall take his throne. Oh, they'll be singing. They'll be shouting. There'll be one flag, one people, one nation, speaking one tongue, heavenly. I long for that time and I'm pressing toward that mark, trusting to God. Someday when it's finished, I can hear him say to me, come up higher. Come up higher. Amen. Let's stand. I wonder if we could sing that song again. Set your wings to the winds of faith. There's two rules. There are two roads you may take one by
your need What's your cry What's your mountain What's Speak the word of God And by and by It'll move or you'll fly It will move Up. 
Every chain, break every chain. 